And I'm starting a series about Christmas right now. It's time for Christmas. It is. It's December. We're getting ready for it. That's the start of the series. It's going to be four weeks long. And those words might speak panic to you. You think of the shopping. I know with me, I think of all the stuff I have to get done. And instead of Christmas feeling like the Prince of Peace coming to the earth, it's the opposite of that. I feel like it's chaotic. How am I going to get everything done? How am I going to buy presents for everybody, get cards out to everybody that I want to? And I'm a wrestling coach at the high school, and it's a winter sport. I happen to coach a winter sport, and we have two tournaments during the holidays, and I am just stressed out. And I assume that a lot of people in December, instead of it being a time of peace, it can be very chaotic. It can be very stressful, and you end up not enjoying the holiday season. So we're going to talk about the holidays. Here's my goal. I want December, this December, to be the best December that you've ever had. The best one ever. Now, you might say that's hard to do. I've had some great Decembers. But it could be better. It could be better. And maybe you've had a rotten December, and you're thinking like, oh, this is going to be another rotten one. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. You can have the best December, the best Christmas time. And I think when you focus on what Christmas really is, you can get the most out of it. One of the things I want to talk about today is telling the good news. Telling the good news, the Christmas good news. Telling it. Letting it be known to other people. It's a choice if I'm going to share the good news. And good news is something that people want to share. Have you ever had good news and you're excited to share it? Good news is always something that you're excited to share with other people. And when you look at all the decorations, the Christmas lights, the parties that you're going to, the celebrations, they're all about the good news. People might think it's about something else, but all of this is happening because of the good news. Well, what exactly is the good news about Christmas? Christmas is we're celebrating God invading earth. There's been lots of men who have tried to claim to become a God. You do this and you can become a God. There's only one God that became a man. And Jesus Christ is God coming to earth as a man to die on the cross to pay off the penalty of your sins. So that baby is God. You know, if I thought of God coming to earth, I think it would scare me. Imagine God coming through, oh. But what does God do? He comes as a baby because he doesn't want to frighten you. He wants to love you. He came for the purpose of dying to pay off the penalty of our sins. That's the real meaning of Christmas. It's God coming to earth. God coming to earth as a man with the purpose of forgiving us for paying off any penalty that we have so that we can have a great life here on earth and eternal life. But if you're like me, you can get so busy that you miss that good news because it's all about the traditions that we do. You know, decorating the house, you know, put, putting up lights. It's all about those type of things, these traditions that we do, and they can consume our time so much that the last thing we think about is that we're celebrating 
God coming to earth. And we think we're here to celebrate, you know, giving the kids presents. That's good. Give the kids presents. That's really good. Have a fun time. But we can do all those things and really miss what it's really about. And we can have a happy moment, but never get the joy, which is deeper, that we're supposed to have from this time. In Luke 2.10, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This angel, these angels, or this angel, he's coming to a group of shepherds. They're out in the field. It's nighttime. They're taking care of their sheep. And an angel appears to them and says, do not be afraid. I'd be afraid if all of a sudden the sky opened up somehow and some angels there. He says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is for everybody. You'll notice that Christmas is celebrated everywhere. He came to bring us good news of great joy. So then these shepherds, they go to see this baby. They're told that it's going to be in Bethlehem. They go and see this baby. And watch what they do in Luke 2, 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. When they met Jesus, they went out and spread the word. They went out and spread the word. I am purposely focusing on this part of the Christmas story because I want you to spread the word. I want you to do what Christmas happened. That's what affected them. When they went on Christmas morning to see the baby, Jesus being born, the very first thing they wanted to do was tell everybody about it. They wanted to tell everybody. Why? That's the Christmas story. That's what it's about. And I want you to have this on your mind. I want you to have this on your heart. That Christmas is telling the good news, and I want you to invite people. I want you to invite people and share and be a positive example to them. You want to do that all the year, but especially now because this, this is the time that we celebrate him coming to earth. But we say it's good news, but a lot of times we don't respond like it's good news. There's four things I think that we need to look at if we're going to respond to this good news in the right way. Number one is, I must enjoy it myself. You can fill in the blank. I must enjoy it myself. If I'm going to tell good news to somebody else, I have to be excited about it myself. If I'm not excited about it, I'm not going to say anything. Am I excited about Jesus coming to earth? Yes, I am. So I'm saying something about it. I'm going to say something about it. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be normal. I'm not going to be a weirdo. I'm not going to stand in the street and, and have a Bible in my hand and start preaching in the street corner. I'm not going to do anything strange. But I'm going to talk about Jesus coming to earth. I'm going to make it known what this holiday is about. Why? Because I'm excited about it. I'm thrilled that Jesus came to earth. I'm thrilled that he died in the cross to pay off the penalty of my sins. I'm thrilled that because of that, I now feel Forgiven, my guilt, my shame, my regrets, all those things in the past, I can let them go because I feel forgiven. I'm so grateful that Jesus came because if he forgives me, I can forgive you. I can forgive others. So I'm losing my bitterness, my resentment, my frustrations. I can let them go because if I forgive you, I free myself of all that garbage, my worries, 
because now I can trust God's bigger than my problems. I'm so thankful that Jesus came. I'm so thankful for Christmas. So I want to tell everybody. Why? Because the good news became great news because he said in that verse, I bring you good news of great joy. So the good news became great joy is what I should have said. The good news became great joy because of what it's done in my life. It's changed me. It can't be great joy if it doesn't first change my life. If it doesn't first turn my life around. If it doesn't first make me a better husband. If it doesn't make me a better father. If it doesn't make me a better person. It first has to change me. And then I'm excited because I see the difference. And I want everybody to have what I have. I want to share it. But it's not really good news unless it changes your life. You know, you hear, oh, somebody won a million dollars, let's say. And you say, oh, that's good, but you don't think about it that much. But it's great. It's good news of great joy if you're that person that won the million dollars. That's good news of great joy. Probably great happiness, really. But the point is, when it's personal, when it affects your life, you're excited about it. If you're not excited about Jesus, there'd be two reasons. You've never given your heart to him. That's one reason. Or you're not recognizing what he's doing in your life right now. Because it's more than going to heaven in the future. It's what he's doing in your life right now. He wants you to have a fulfilled life. He wants to bless you in the best way. But how can he bless you? When you submit to him, when you have that relationship with him, that's what's going to change your heart to be the man or woman that you need to be. And then Christmas is good news of great joy because of what's happening. Not just because you're forgiven, but the daily life that you have with him. God wants you to spend daily time with him. God, think of how, what great joy it is that God says, when you give your life to me, I'll come and live inside you. His spirit comes inside you. That's great news. You're saying the God of the universe is living in me and in you and in those who have put their faith in him? Yes. You can talk to God every day. Every day. Think about that. Every day you can talk to God. You can talk to him several times throughout the day. You can hear from God every day, several times throughout the day. Think about it. Every time you read the Bible, you're hearing from God. Sometimes God gives you an impression when you're not reading the Bible. And sometimes that's from God. You don't always know if those impressions are from God unless they match what's in the Bible. But God will speak to you on a daily basis, and it's up to you. You can open up that Bible anytime you want to. And in this season, when things are so hectic and so crazy... All the more reason to fight, to have that time to get into God's word and allow him to speak to you. Because in the greatest season of all, we're celebrating Jesus, is probably the time that we're most likely to not have any time for God. We'll go to a worship service, but beyond that, the rest of the year we have time. I'm thinking this is the time, seize the moment. Psalms 107.2 says, all of you set free by God, tell the world. All of you have been set free. I've been set free. Maybe you'd say, I've been set free from alcohol. Tell the world. I've been set free from drugs. Tell the world. 
I've been set free from a sex addiction. Tell the world. I've been, it doesn't matter what you're set free from. All of you set free by God, tell the world. Get it out there. Why? Because of joy. Like, look at what God's done in my life. I'm so thankful. I want this for everybody. I want everybody to have the joy that I have because Jesus came to earth on Christmas Day. And if Jesus did not come to earth on Christmas Day, you would not have that joy. You would not have that joy. You wouldn't know that your sins are forgiven. You wouldn't, well, he wouldn't have died on the cross. You would not have that joy that we're talking about. Accept his free gift. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I want that joy, but I've never really trusted in God. Accept his free gift. Put your faith in what God did for you. You have two options when it comes to religion. One option is, I'm going to try to be good enough to reach God. <sighs> You'd be pretty arrogant if you said, oh, I passed that test. Even Mother Teresa, says, nice and good as she was, doesn't believe that she was ever good enough to reach God. You know, I might make it. It's like running, trying to get a touchdown on a football field. Maybe I'll make it to the 40-yard line, 60 yards to go. Maybe Mother Teresa will make it to the 90-yard line, but nobody scores a touchdown. It's like swimming to Hawaii. I might make it, you know, a half a mile out before I drown. You might make it three miles out, but nobody makes it to Hawaii. So that's how silly it is to think that you're so hot, you're so great, I'm such a good person, I reached God. The whole message of the Bible is we're putting our faith in God being so awesome, God being so loving, God being so great that he reached me by dying on the cross, by paying off my penalty. And you know what? That gives me great joy because I could have never reached him. I didn't have a chance. But he reached me, and that gives me great joy, and I want to get that out. And during this season, it's a choice to enjoy the good news because there's always bad news, always. Even if your life is going great right now, just turn on the news for just a half an hour. That's all you need. And you're going to hear some bad news. There's always bad news. It's a choice. Am I going to spend this season focusing on bad news? Or am I, or am I going to spend this season focusing on good news? And no matter how bad the bad news is in my life, the good news still overwhelms it. Because the good news is even... And the ultimate problem, if I were to die, if I were to die, even in that ultimate problem, which is bad news, bad news, I think, I don't want to die, bad news. In that ultimate problem, the good news conquers it, because I know I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with God. Okay, eternity in heaven with God is better than living on this earth. So even in the worst news you can think of, the good news overpowers it. The good news is better. So no matter what I'm going through, I can still focus on the good news, not by pretending that the bad news isn't there. That's like being brainwashed, right? You know, just, you know, I am not sick. In the name of Jesus, I am not sick. Like pretending like something's not happening, but you're sick. Okay, you know, but... The bad news is there. You're not faking that the bad news isn't there. You're just focused on the good news. 
you're happy, you still have joy because of the good news in spite of the bad news. And if we're honest, don't we all have some bad news? Everybody has bad news. Everybody is going through tough times. And you can be weeping because you're happy and sad is based on your circumstances. You can be weeping and still have joy. And still have joy. If I lost a loved one, I can be weeping because I miss them. Instead, at the exact same time, I have joy that I know they're going to go to heaven. And I'm not faking that the bad news isn't there. I'm, I'm crying. I'm not faking it. I'm crying. Emotionally, I'm sad. Happy, sad has everything to do with circumstances. Your football team wins and you're happy. Your football team loses and you're not happy. Okay, that's circumstance. That's happiness. But joy is deeper. I can be sad and have a great joy knowing that that, that, that I can have great joy knowing that God was rooting for my football team too. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I can have great joy knowing in the midst of sad, there's something bigger happening. God's love. God is there. You know, Christmas is about happiness. You make a tree. You put the lights up. It makes you feel happy. You give presents to one another. It makes you feel happy. But that's the traditions of Christmas. And do them. Do them. They're fun. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's the traditions. But joy comes from the reality of what Christmas is. What's the reality? God invaded earth. Jesus came. And if you miss that, you never get joy. You just get happiness in the moment. Then you're sad the next day. Then you're happy when this happens. And you're sad when this happens. And you never have the joy that God wants to give you. Look at Psalms 107, verse 22. With joy, they should tell what he has done. With joy. Why is that? Because are you excited about what God's done? Are you excited about Christmas? Are you excited that God's come to earth? Are you excited that you're forgiven? Are you excited that you have a purpose for living? Are you excited that you have a home in heaven? Are you excited about what's happening? That's what Christmas is about. And then with joy, when you're excited, you can tell others with joy. Oh, I love Christmas. I'm so thankful that God came to earth as Jesus. I'm so thankful that he died my sins. Because if you're thankful, I know this, people always tell things that they're excited about. If you don't ever say it, then you have to think, why am I not excited about this? Why? Maybe you feel like someone's going to treat you like you're a weirdo or something. But when people are excited, they, they talk about things. Number two, I must make time to tell the good news. I can be excited, but in a season like this, you have to make time. It's, you're, you're going to be too busy. You'll never get around to it. You can believe like, oh, I need to tell people, but you'll never make time. Galatians 4.4 4 says, but when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman. There's a right time for everything. This is the right time to talk about Jesus coming. It's on everybody's mind. Christmas is on everybody's mind. In July, I might bring up something about Christmas, and people would just ignore me. Like, what's wrong with you? you know, but now, if you talk about Jesus coming as a child, they know. It's the right time for that. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burned, burdened, and I will give you rest. Do you know that that's why Jesus came? One of the reasons why, not the only reason. He came 
so that he could give us rest. Have you noticed what we've done in December? <laughs> he came and we do the opposite. So you think about it. I go to more parties in December than I do the rest of the year combined. And then to add to that, each time we go, we have to bake something and bring it. All within this one month. And then to add to it, we're trying to write cards to all of our special friends. And then to add to it, let's redecorate the whole house. And let's get lights up and do all this stuff. And then to add to it, let's spend time looking for the perfect present for everybody. Okay. And just to add more fun in, let's get the kids out of school for two weeks. <laughs> and we're wondering why we're stressed out. We're wondering, like, why do I feel so overwhelmed during this holiday when Jesus came to give us rest? Jesus came to give us rest. In Psalm 90, verse 12, it says, <clears throat> Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. In other words, we're not going to live forever, so let's make the most of our time. Let's make the most of our time. And during this time, the most of our time is celebrating what it's really about. What it's really about. Make sure that Jesus is the focus of the holiday. Then number three, I must plan to do it. I have to make a plan. Certainly, you're in a circumstance and it just happens. And the right timing's there and you have a chance to share with somebody the good news, what it's really all about. Certainly that can happen, right? But 90% of the time, if you're going to plan something good, if you're going to do something good, you have to plan it. You have to plan it. Because you, otherwise you'll never get around to doing it. In Luke 2, 15, it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. Somebody made a plan. Why didn't they say, wow, this is so cool. The angels just talked to us about the Messiah, the Christ. Emmanuel, which means God with us, is going to be born. Uh, Isaiah calls him mighty God, everlasting father. That The child being born is called everlasting father, God. He's being born in Bethlehem. Wow, do you hear what the angel said? Wow, that's fantastic. Okay, let's go feed the sheep. That's not what they did. Somebody made a plan, and they said, let's go to Bethlehem. And if somebody didn't make the plan to go to Bethlehem, they would have never met Jesus. And they probably would have never shared with everybody their experience. But you make a plan. You can have the greatest thing happen in your life, but if you don't make a plan to use it for the good, it probably will never happen. Think of this verse. If you've been in church for a while, you've heard this over and over Mark 16, 15, Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. We all know that. We all believe that. If you've been in church, if you're new to church, you might not know this, but if you've been in church at all, you know this, you believe this, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. It doesn't mean that you ever do it. It just means you know it and believe it. What would prevent me from knowing this and believing it and never doing it? I never make a plan. I don't fail. I mean, I don't plan to fail. I just fail to make the plan. So what happens is we hear these verses all of our life, but if I don't make a plan, if I don't have a strategy, if I don't have a way that I'm going to go about and do it, it's probably not going to happen. If you were running a business, I bet you'd come up with a business plan. What's more important? 
What's more important? So, wow, what's the plan? And you have to do it based on your gifts and your talents. You know, if you're afraid to talk to people about Jesus, it's probably because you've seen an example that you could never do. You could never do that. You know, some people are good at inviting people. You know, and they're comfortable. Other people are like, that's harder for them. Some people can just talk about it clearly, and other people can't. Some people, you know, the way that they share Jesus is they're good with their hands, and they see the, the um, mom down the street that can't uh, fix her car, and he feels like, well, I don't want her to be taken advantage of by some um, repairman. So he goes down there and fixes her car for free, you know, no motive involved other than just blessing her. Fixes a car for free and everything. And maybe she just pays for the parts. And then she says, because she knows he goes to church. And she says, that's a real Christian. Most Christians aren't like that, but that's a real Christian. There's a lot of ways that we share our faith. Now, if she doesn't know that that guy's a Christian, it can't make it any turn. You might know that God's changed my heart and this is why I'm doing it. If she doesn't know why, you're, if she doesn't know that God's changed you into this person, you know, it's, it has no effect. But there's a lot of ways that you share your faith. You have to do it your way, but they need to know. They need to somehow know that God's changed your life or else it has no effect on them spiritually. You're just a good guy and all the credit goes to you. Wow, you're great. You're awesome. But it doesn't do anything for the kingdom of God. It doesn't do anything to make them have a better life. It's just you have a better life. I'm still the same person. Why you've given me no hope? I've got no good news out of it. My life doesn't get better. I'm still in a rut. I need forgiveness. I need to let go of my guilt and my shame. So you have to make a plan. I want to give you a few plans that you can make. One, pray. Pray for people. Make a list of people that you want, to, that you know. I love this person. They need Christ. They need this. And what you do is you pray for them. Put a list together and pray for them. And then at the right time, you'll get a chance to talk to them. Or at the right time, you can invite them here to our Christmas service on the 23rd. That's when we're doing our Christmas service. Or on the 24th at Christmas Eve, we're doing a celebration. It's going to be different. The Christmas service is going to be more like this. The celebration that we're doing on Christmas Eve is going to be more music. It's going to be led more by Kevin. I'm going to share something really short, but it's mostly a celebration worship type of time. But that's a great thing that you can invite people to. You know why? Sometimes in the middle of the year, if you invite somebody, they might think that you're being pushy. I've never met anybody that felt someone's being pushy when they invite, when you get invited to a Christmas service or an Easter service. You know why? Because they're celebrating it anyway. They might not go to church any other time of the year, but if you, buy, if you invite them for Christmas, they'll go. Another way is with your own kids. With your own kids. Read them the Christmas story. Not, when I say the Christmas story, I'm not talking about Santa, elves, and reindeers. Okay? What I mean is, in Matthew chapter 2, it's a Christmas story about the wise men. Read them that story maybe on Christmas Eve. And then on Luke chapter 2... It's a story of the shepherds. Read them that story maybe on Christmas Day. But let your children learn the real meaning of Christmas. I can't think of anything more important than that. If you have preschoolers, you're going to have to 
say it. You, you can't read it to them probably. You're going to have to say it to them in a way that they get it. But that's a great way. What's more important than anybody? Invite your, your, your children to know the Lord. The real story of Christmas. Then give hope to someone. How about this? How amazing would this be? You know somebody is hurting and alone. And you invite them to your home to join in the celebration of Christmas. That's something nobody does. And can you imagine the love that that's going to do that person? That's a great way to, uh, to show God's love to them, to show good news. Another way is in your neighborhood, invite people over for a Christmas party. Invite them over to a Christmas party. Make some hot side or a few cookies or bake them or buy them or whatever. Five people, 50 people, it doesn't really matter. It's who you, have, who you think would, it would work with and invite them over. There's plenty of plans that you can come up with that would work for you, that's, that's what you're wired to do. All you have to do is say, I want Christmas to be a time that it impacts people in a positive way. How can I do that? How can I do that? It impacts them in a way that would draw them closer to God. And then number four, I must trust God. You trust in God because God sent you to tell the good news, not to sell the good news. You're not like a shoe salesman trying to close a deal. That's, that's horrible. You know, you're loving them. You're, you're just... You just love them and you just tell the good news and, and you let God work in their hearts. Sometimes you have a loved one. Like I have a brother, okay, and he's not walking with the Lord. And, every, and I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to like, I want to control it. I want to try to convince him and talk him into it. And, and it's because of love. I just see his life going where it's going and it's horrible. I don't want that to happen to him. So I'm trying to Force it on him, maybe? Force it on him? You understand what I'm saying? And what do you think his response is being? Is he getting closer, or do you think I'm pushing him farther away? I'm pushing him farther away. Because you know what I was trying to do? I was trying to be God. I was trying to be the Holy Spirit. And I wised up along the way and realized, wait a minute. Why? I would never do that to one of you guys. But because he's my brother, you know how brothers are. You're like, but you've got to listen. You've got, you know. And the, di the relationship's different. And I would never do that to you guys, but here I'm doing this to him. Well, the truth is the same thing that would work on you is the same thing that would work on him. I'm just supposed to tell the good news and leave it to him and God. Do I trust that God can use that good news in his heart? I trust that God's going to use the good news in your heart. Why wouldn't I trust? Why all of a sudden with him do I have to take control? I don't have to. I shouldn't. In, fa in fact, it's more damaging when you're trying to do it that way. Look at Romans 8.25. But if we must keep trusting God for something that hasn't happened yet, it teaches us to wait patiently and confidently. Do you hear that? That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm trusting God to take care of it. So I tell him the good news, and I wait patiently and confidently. I'm confident that God's working. I'm patient. It doesn't mean that I only tell him the good news once. You know, because, you know... When, when the first time you heard the good news, I'm assuming you were like me. First time you heard it, you thought about it, but it didn't sink in all the way. But you, you know, you're, then you hear some more stuff and it's filling in the pieces and you're considering it. You're thinking, and eventually it clicks together and you say, wow, I've got this. 
And then there comes that point where you, in your heart, you say, okay, God, I put my faith in you. And then you cross the line. And now you're, you're trusting in him for your life, for everything. God, you're my Lord. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you've reached me. I believe I'm your child. And then you've crossed the line. You're in. You know, somebody, some people, it's at a church service where you're praying along with a pastor. Hey, pray this prayer along with me. But you know that point in your life where you crossed the line. But it probably didn't just happen the first time you heard it. You thought about it. You considered it. You thought, you know, some things didn't make sense to you. Some things made you want to reject it. It took time. So patience, confidently, tell the good news. Don't rush them. Don't push them. I used to think my strategy, because I was young and mature, if you were to die tonight, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Oh, get them scared. Get them scared. If I can scare somebody into Christ, they can just walk right back out when they don't feel scared anymore. I don't believe in that. It's a relationship. It's a love relationship with God. God loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. You know, so you don't have to pressure people. You don't have to do that. Let God work in their hearts. That's what got me. They talked to me. I listened to it. But God got my heart, and I crossed the line. I'm in. Let God get their heart. Look at Philemon 1, 6. There is no chapter 1. It's just, just a, um, a letter with no chapters because it's short. But it says this. I pray that as you share your faith with others, it will grip their lives too. As they see the wealth of good things in you that come from Christ Jesus. Do you hear that? I pray that as you share your faith, and I'm asking you guys during this Christmas holiday, unashamed, I'm asking you, share with people. You know, because the, you know what the world's looking for is you. God's looking for normal people that love God and love their neighbor. That's all he wants, normal people. That's what the world's looking for. If I, if I don't know God, the only people I'm going to be interested in is people that are normal people, like you guys, just normal people that love God, not some weirdo on the street, but normal people like you that love God and love their neighbor. And I say, okay, I'm open to that guy. I'm open to that woman. She seems normal. God's just looking for you. The people are just looking for you. And it says, I pray that as you share your faith with others, it will grip their lives too. What will grip their lives? It says, what will grip their lives? As they see the wealth of good things in you that came from Christ. In other words, when I share what Christ has done in my life to make my life better, they see the wealth of all that good stuff that happened to me, and they say, wow, I like that. I want that too. I want that too. That's why God's just looking for you. That's why the world is just looking for you. Nothing fancy, just normal people that love God and that love their neighbor. If you never accepted that gift yourself, I'm going to give you a minute here, and I'm going to give you that opportunity to pray and make that commitment. One of the ways that you cross the line is, you know, you can do it just talking to God right now. I'll lead you in a prayer. You just pray along with me silently. You make that commitment. On your, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up in front of people or say anything. On your welcome card, there's a part that says, on your connection card, there's a part that says, today I made a commitment to Christ. If you mark that, I'm going to see it. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to show up to your house with the Bible. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to pray for you. Now, if you said to me, Jimmy, let's meet and bring your Bible. I'll, I'll meet you and I'll bring my Bible, okay? <laughs> if you say that. 
But I'm not here to embarrass people. I'm not here to do any of this. But if you've never crossed that line, you can do it today. Don't leave. Don't leave today without knowing that you're right with God. So with that, let's pray. Dear God, by faith, I believe that you died on the cross to take away the penalty of my sins. So I believe I'm forgiven because of you. And because of that, I can be in your family. I can be a child of God. So today, Lord, by faith, I'm crossing the line. I'm in, Lord. I'm trusting you for the rest of my life. I believe that you've reached me. I believe I'm a part of your family now. Lord, I want to thank you for salvation. I want to thank you that you're going to bless my life here on earth. I want to thank you for eternal life that you've given me. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.